Are you a college student looking for better guidance on how to figure out your life after college? Maybe you are slowly looking at jobs, or maybe you are finally getting around to editing your resume, or maybe you are just getting anxiety awaiting for the question at the next big family dinner, what are you going to do after college? Yep, I've been there. That's why I created my career ebook guide to help guide you on the path to young adult life in your post-grad career. From custom resume templates, ways to improve your LinkedIn, cover letter examples, top interview questions, and so much more, it's all in my ebook guide, which you can find on my blog at emilyelizabeth.blog/shop. Emily Elizabeth, and I'm the host of the What Fulfills You podcast, a show for and about individuals always seeking to be their best selves. On this show, we talk all about building the mindset, finding the right careers, creating meaningful relationships, and so much more. Welcome to the What Fulfills You podcast. Everyone, welcome back to the What Fulfills You podcast. My name is Emily Elizabeth Duong. I'm your host. Welcome back if you've been listening, and welcome if you are brand new to this show. Quick, I guess, gist on what the show is about. Of course, it's called What Fulfills You because I essentially discuss the conversation revolving around the art of designing a life that fulfills you and. I do speak about it in my early, I guess I should say mid-20s now because I just turned 24, which I will give you a very brief birthday recap in a hot second. Yeah, that is pretty much what the show is about. And of course, we touch on all topics, including career, relationships, mental health, physical wellness, um, and everything that I personally believe really caters towards finding that sustainable happiness and fulfillment in life. And this episode is super fun, but like I said, before we dive into that, um, I'm trying to kind of, again, incorporate a little bit more of a personal touch to each intro because I do enjoy hearing that sometimes from other podcasts. But um, if you've been listening or have listened to the previous episode last week, then you know that last week was my birthday. I turned 24, which is very interesting to say now because I know I'm going to naturally say, you know, when someone asks me, how old are you? I will definitely still say 23 and then realize like, nope, I am actually 24 now. But interestingly enough, I don't feel that ickiness of like, oh no, I'm getting old. I definitely felt that when I turned 22 and maybe when I turned 23. But right now, for some reason, I, I feel very aligned with where I'm at and I think age is just a number and maybe it's also because I feel as though I've kind of been in my older 20s for a long period of time um, maybe just kind of with the way I think and the uh, turbulent experiences I've had in my early 20s so I feel like a lot of that has propelled me to feel like I'm older than I actually am Um, so I feel like in essence my age number is actually just catching up to where I am on a maturity scale. But yeah, I mean, my birthday was super awesome. I just was thinking about it yesterday as I, as I was sitting on my couch, very tired, and was, I think, like waking up from a nap. But I was just thinking about how utterly grateful I am for the friends that I have, the coworkers, especially. 
Um, they, I don't think they like know how grateful I am for that, even though I, I was speaking about it, definitely kind of drunk at dinner, but a lot on Thursday, the 25th, my birthday, I was just telling them, um, you know, I definitely didn't think that I was going to be celebrating <laughs> with them again this year. Like, even though that sounded really, um, not nice to say, I was kind of alluding to the fact that I definitely didn't think that I was still going to be at the same company, um, a year later. And COVID has obviously thrown a lot of plans into different motions and such. But I was telling them, um, I'm, I'm grateful that that was not the case and that I was actually there with them and have built such, you know, unique bonded relationships with my coworkers, um, some of which actually don't work at the company anymore. Um, one of them recently left and then another one that was there um, left months prior, but that just was a significant moment for me because um, even though I'm a very entrepreneurial type of person and definitely do not see myself in a nine to five in the long term, I realized that there's so much you can gain from a corporate job like the one I'm in right now. And that is relationships, which is, again, something that I speak on as my top value so much. And so, you know, looking back just with previous years on who I had around me to celebrate with me and seeing how it has evolved with a really tight-knit community, uh, you know, and feeling really loved from my friends. Like, that was just a huge pivotal moment for me and something really nice just to be able to mindfully say, wow, like, you know, you did definitely did not have this years ago and, you know, I'm just so grateful for it. So I want to spread that love and gratitude towards you guys as well because I definitely got a lot of love from you guys in my personal DMs. So thank you so much. Um, and again, just want to spread some gratitude and love and say thank you for listening if you have not skipped through this intro. But I'm going to stop rambling on that part and I'm going to dive into today's guest which is Connie Wang from the Pharma Dental and I will read a little bio about her. So she is the creator behind the Pharma Dental as I mentioned which is a platform meant to help and inspire others in learning to never settle or take the easy way out and to seek a life of fulfillment regardless if you're in the healthcare field or not. Connie initially attended pharmacy school and halfway through she felt extremely burnt out because she realized that she was not passionate about the field and missed having a creative element to it. She has always been expressive and enjoyed art but also knew that pursuing a career in arts alone was not the path for her and wanted to find a way to have a direct impact on patients and their health. That's when she discovered dentistry to create the perfect aesthetic smile, get the shades just right, work with different materials and tools to create fillings, crowns, dentures. It was the perfect mix of both art and healthcare. Connie finished pharmacy school despite knowing she would not pursue a path in this field because she knew it would strengthen her understanding of the whole body and it has proved valuable in her knowledge of how to holistically treat her patients. She worked on her dental school applications during pharmacy school and graduated with her doctorate of pharmacy in May 2019 and then started her journey in dentistry at Tufts Dental School in July 2019. Since then, Connie has been utilizing her page, The Pharma Dental, to share with others about her journey and story, as well as working as a part-time marketing intern for a floss startup company. So as you can probably tell so far, um, yes, Connie did indeed 
go to pharmacy school, finished the time there, and then moved on to dental school. And I think what was really unique in talking to her was just really hearing her mindset about why she decided to finish pharmacy school and just not take the easy way out and quit and um, you will also learn um, I think she did have a full ride there as she mentioned in this episode so that is also I'm sure part of the equation and why it is worth it because you're not paying for the tuition where I think some of you guys might be like wait if you're paying for it and you're not going to do it why would you finish? But I think that being said, that goes to show that's a level of grit that a lot of us, I believe in our generation right now, Gen Z millennial really need to, you know, take a page out of her book on and really learn how to have grit and stick it through on the really tough days, tough months, because we all have them. But something else that was really fun to chat with Connie about, we did end up speaking about it quite a bit is Um, just our thoughts and background and just like an open conversation on what it's like being an Asian American female especially and growing up with first generation or yeah first gen immigrant parents Um, and we just kind of speak on um, a little bit of similar uh, experiences with that and then also differences in that as well but I think Um, It's also maybe a great conversation for you guys to hear if you are also a second gen, you know, Asian American or just honestly, I, I, I said it during this episode, if you are someone that has first gen immigrant parents and you know that there is a clashing culture and understanding of, you know, social media, what you do, the path you want to pursue for your career. Uh, That's certainly something I've battled a lot with and I still do today, but I think I'm getting the hang of it. And so it was really fun to talk to um, a fellow Asian American female and then also just her thoughts on how to navigate any field really, but especially in healthcare on standing up for yourself, building confidence, that kind of thing. So I think this is really awesome, whether you want to pursue a career in healthcare or not, really good knowledge for you to listen to. So with that being said, we will dive into the conversation. With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in education into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. Connie, thank you for joining me today. I am super stoked to have you because like I said before we started recording, you are pretty much the first person I've had on this podcast where We are going to be focusing on the healthcare space and the industry and that career path. And that's definitely a little bit more out of my comfort zone, but I think as something I advocate for a lot on this podcast is being able to touch on different career paths, different, you know, people and different backgrounds and so forth. But I do want to read a little bit about what you sent to me here on your bio. So it looks like you mentioned you wanted to pursue a career in the healthcare space because you wanted to comfort and take care of others, but you never knew exactly what it was that you wanted. And then you ended up in pharmacy school, but halfway through, felt extremely burnt out because you knew it just wasn't the field you were passionate in and you missed 
the creativity aspect. So uh, you went on to pursue dental school, which I know we'll get into as well. But how about you go ahead and dive into a little bit of your own background, dive into it in your own words, and maybe share a little bit about, you know, where you're from, where you currently live, um, you know, your age, kind of just so the audience can get to know you a little bit better. Yeah, of course. Thank you so much for having me, Emily. I'm so happy to be here. Um, So I guess some background. My name is Connie. I am a 25-year-old Asian-American female. I grew up on the East Coast. Um, I am a Cancer Sun and a Leo Rising and Moon. So that tells you a little bit about myself. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so basically, I just grew up on the East Coast. And ever since I was a kid, I always knew that I wanted to pursue a career in healthcare. Um, A big part of it was, like I said, that I just wanted to take care of people and help other people feel better. I didn't exactly know how that would manifest, though. And I think something also that's kind of funny, I know we mentioned we wanted to talk about, you know, our Asian American identities and all that. Mm -hmm. I think it was kind of ingrained in me because, you know, like the whole stereotype about how, like, for Asian people, it's like you basically have a couple of routes. You either become like a doctor, a lawyer, or an engineer, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so I feel like ever since I was a kid, Hit. I, I'm sure someday I was like, mom, I like science. And I'm sure she was like, good, you like science. Like, you're going to become a doctor then, you know? And so like no shade at all to my parents, because I think that's just how a lot of Asian immigrant parents are, is that that's just what they know. And that's what they like. So I was kind of raised in a household where, you know, I was always going to get an education of some sort. And so I actually watched my older sister go through that. She's 10 years older than me. So when she was like 18 going off to college, I was, I was only eight. So I kind of always grew in this household where I, I knew if I liked people and I liked science and I liked working with others and making other people feel better, then it was going to be healthcare. Mm-hmm. So I never really fully questioned it. Um, but because I never really questioned it, I think my mind kind of always put my career and all that stuff on the back burner. So I wasn't a very... I guess you could say organized or motivated high school student. I was kind of like your typical like teenager. Like I didn't want to do homework. I wanted to like hang out with my friends, go to the movie theaters and that kind of stuff. And I really lacked any sort of direction, I guess. Um, So luckily I did well enough, I guess, in school to be able to get accepted to um, the doctor of pharmacy program at my local school where I actually had uh, free tuition to attend. So that was above all, the number one reason why I ended up going to pharmacy school was just because I just knew I couldn't pass up free tuition. Um, And when I was 18, it was like, well, I know I like healthcare. I know I want to help people. Like I said, I didn't know how to narrow down how that would be. So I just took the first opportunity that I had. Um, So then you fast forward, I start college. Love it, right? Because like college is just so much fun. I was like, yeah, this is awesome. I'm going to be a pharmacist, I guess. And I kind of just followed that path. I like I said, I, I still wasn't quite motivated. I kind of just followed wherever the wind took me and I didn't really have real goals or self-reflection to know if something was right or wrong until about after my first year of pharmacy school. So it's funny, in preparation for this episode, I was kind of like reflecting on my experiences and thinking, I was like, what kind of made me reevaluate everything and what like completely changed my whole career path? And what I realized was, as cliche as this sounds, it was actually being fired in a sort of way. Um, mm-hmm. So let me explain. So when I was a sophomore in college, I worked as a summer orientation leader. And that was like the best job ever to me. It was basically being like an adult camp counselor or, mm-hmm. well, I guess more like a teen camp counselor because <laughs> they're like 18 at a time. Mm-hmm. But 
I had so much fun. It was just like where you just get to be outgoing and loud, but I didn't really realize that there were so many technical things involved in logistics and being a leader. So this experience really shaped my idea of like how to actually lead. Um, but like I said, up until that point, I wasn't a very motivated person. I wasn't a very organized person. So as you can imagine, I wasn't the best at that job in terms of logistics. I was great at getting along with everyone. I was great at the enthusiasm, the passion, all of that was there. I felt like the personality was there, but I needed to tighten up on some skills, like, like planning, like working on, you know, all the logistical things that it takes to be a strong leader, leader and just to have your life in general together. Mm -hmm. um, so what happened, long story short, was I was not rehired. Um, and that was just like a devastating blow to me because I, I didn't really understand why at the time I thought like, wow, like I, like I thought my personality was perfect for this. And it felt like I was being rejected from like my own family. Cause I had such close bonds with the other orientation leaders, with my bosses. Um, so it was like, honestly, this is kind of dramatic. Maybe it's cause I don't have much of an exciting love life, but I think that was like the worst heartbreak I've ever had was being rejected from this job. Just because it really, I felt like it was an attack on my potential and my personality. And so that made me really reevaluate like, wow, I have to get my act together. I can't just be, I, I can't just make it in this world just on personality alone. I have to get my life together. And that made me really like stop and focus on what I was doing, where I was going, the type of person that I wanted to be. I didn't want to be someone that forgot about assignments or didn't know about something until the day it was due. I, I wanted to be someone that was in charge of my life. And thankfully, now that I'm reflecting on it, I think being rejected from that job position, um, that created an opening that summer because the following summer I would have been an orientation leader. But since I was rejected, I had a whole free summer to basically sit and think and be sad. <laughs> and so when I was sitting there, thinking and being sad, I realized that I actually wasn't that happy in pharmacy school. Um, that summer came right after my first year of pharmacy school. And I, I knew that I was really unhappy with the field and burnt out, but I didn't really know why. I just figured like, oh, everyone like hates school. That's just how life is. Until I really started to question, like, you know, maybe there's a reason why. Maybe this isn't the right path for me. Whenever we talked about the healthcare and the whole body in general, I thought it was really interesting. But the second we talked about drugs and doses and all of the things that are truly pharmacy, my brain just like shut off. Like it was like, I couldn't memorize it for the life of me. I felt like all my friends did so much better in school, even though I was still trying pretty hard. And so basically I just felt like a fish out of water. And so I did some more self-reflecting and I realized that I think I ended up in pharmacy, not because I chose it. It was more like I just happened to follow the wind and that led me there. And I wanted a life where I felt like I had really chosen it. So since I didn't have, um, since I wasn't in a ton of debt due to, you know, free tuition and all that, I was like, well, maybe I like do have a second chance then. Like what else would I pursue? So I was like, I still want to do healthcare. But thinking about pharmacy, I realized I wasn't that passionate about the rest of the body, I guess. So then I was like, well, what's a part of the body that I can like help that is healthcare and I can help people feel better. And then I realized that dentistry was an option. And my brother-in-law actually is a dentist. And how this whole story ended up like working out was that I, when I was burnt out that summer, I did a lot of arts and crafts and working with my hands. And I thought to myself, like, man, I really wish that there was a career where you just work with your hands all day, but it's also healthcare oriented. And slowly but surely, I realized that's what dentistry is. So I had an inkling, just an inkling that dentistry would be right. But I wasn't fully sure yet. So then I shadowed my brother-in-law and then I shadowed my own dentist. I eventually 
realized that I loved it. It was like an instantaneous, like you just kind of know when something's right, similarly to how you know when something's wrong. And I felt like every time I stepped into the dental office, I felt like a kid in like a toy store. Like I just loved learning about all the different equipment, all the different materials. And so that was like my first sign that something was right. So then I decided, you know what, I don't want to completely drop out of pharmacy school yet because I still think it's a good option and it, it could potentially help me in my future career in healthcare. So I decided to finish pharmacy school. And while I was finishing pharmacy school, work as a dental assistant to get more experience and make sure I was doing the right thing. And then I would also study for my exams for dental school. We have like an entrance exam called the DAT. I would study for that during like my winter vacations and during my summer breaks, I would take like extra classes that I needed to get into dental school. And then slowly but surely, one day it all worked out. I got into dental school and the rest is basically history. <laughs> wow. I am still in the middle of taking notes here. I wanted, <laughs> there was a lot that I was like, okay, I want to touch on that. I want to touch on that. Um, I love this. I love hearing your path. There's something that I really wanted to touch on before I forgot. And it stood out to me because I think I resonate with this concept as well. But you mentioned how essentially kind of the idea of being rejected per se um, ended up leading you, you know, into thinking or questioning, you know, why are you unhappy with pharmacy school, right? Um, you know, in, in hindsight, so I guess maybe give, give a picture here. How many years ago was that approximately from that time frame of when you were quote unquote rejected feeling, you know, in a sense of failure? Yeah, that was uh, 2015. 2015. Okay. So it was about six years ago. So now in hindsight, looking back uh, and of course now, you know, being more older and mature and wiser, would you say that that is a great example of how failure and rejection ends up uh, working out a lot better than you had known in that moment and maybe even within that year? Yeah, 100%. And I think it's a very valuable lesson that our society places so much focus on like achievement and productivity, like go, go, go. And it doesn't place enough value on failure, rejection, and just having time to like be like just emptiness. Like, I'm sure that you feel the same way when you feel like you don't have a plan, you don't know where you're going, you feel like something's wrong, right? Like mm -hmm. you always want to fill your time with plans. You want to fill, you know, you want to know where you're going and all that. But I think that's the wrong way to live because had I not been rejected, had I not had that free summer to, you know, like do, mm -hmm. I don't even remember what it was like freaking pottery or like I did something with mm -hmm. my hands. I was bored. I was bored out of my mind. I felt like a failure. I felt like all my friends were like working their part-time jobs and bulking up their resume. I felt like I was just sitting there in like a black hole doing nothing, mm -hmm. but that was the most valuable emptiness and space that I ever could have gotten because that mm -hmm. allowed me to stop and reflect and, you know, really reevaluate. And I wish that in society, we had more like programmed stops and checks. <laughs> you know, it's funny that you also mentioned just now how it was a feeling of emptiness and a black hole during that point while your friends were working multiple jobs and so forth. And, and I, and I mm -hmm. touch on that again, because um, it's, it's always been almost difficult for me to express to people how much I actually almost wish adversity on them, similar to how you felt in that rejection period, that feeling of emptiness, because I personally believe that without those moments in, in both of our lives individually, but also just, just as a collective whole for each person, without that, that period of 
close to depression, if not a, a remote feeling of depression and, and sadness and, and feeling of gloom, uncertainty. I think it's, it's, I don't want to, I can't pinpoint if it's impossible, but I will say it's extremely difficult to kind of come out the way we both have without that point of adversity. Because I think, I think that that point and that period of loneliness and, and just being unsure of the path that we should be going. And it allows us to reevaluate so that we can pivot, but then we can go and move forward exponentially, right? Whereas if we don't have those moments or those pitfalls in our life, especially in our 20s, which I think is actually probably the most valuable point to have those pitfalls in my, again, personal opinion, because of experience. Um, I noticed that when we have it at a younger age, so I, for me, it was in, when I was 20, 21 years old, um, and which kind of sounds like roughly the same period for you. Yeah, um, yeah it actually was exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I think it, it's almost, it's a blessing in disguise that we had that what I think a lot of people would consider kind of like that mid 20s crisis when you're figuring out your life and sometimes some of us do experience it earlier in our 20s and you know sometimes you do experience it again but I think you realize after that first time it's like oh that is actually meant to propel me into doing something at a faster pace so yes I might be going slower right now than my peers and colleagues but give me one to two years and I will be going on my upward trajectory a lot quicker and, and at a faster pace because it's more aligned with the path that I feel you know more inclined to to be on and I think again to reiterate I think that can only happen once we understand the the reason why we're not feeling fulfilled happy whatever that is in in the current state so I feel like that's kind of what you were experiencing um you can correct me if I'm wrong but again I just wanted to touch on that because I think like you said, not many people or in our society speak on it enough. And that's definitely a big part as to why I have this podcast and why I talk about, you know, kind of how each person, you know, at the end of it all, whether they're successful or not successful on paper, whatever you want to judge people by, um, each person ends up wanting something more than just that career validation, right? Or that external validation that we're all looking for. I think we all realize like, what is it that will not bring us that empty feeling again? Right, for sure. And I think another thing that I just realized while you're, you totally hit the nail on the head, like we all kind of need these moments. Mm -hmm. And I think something that is also a blessing in disguise for you and I for experiencing it so early on in our careers it's almost empowering and freeing to, to reach that level because then you realize like you can only go up. And now, mm -hmm. now that I've pivoted from pharmacy to dentistry, I almost feel so much more confident in myself that like, Hey, if I want to pivot to something after, like I can always pivot. Like I think for a lot of my friends that I've, that I've spoken to in the same age range, they're like, well, I like, don't like my career, but I don't know where to go from here. And like, my reaction is just like, well, obviously just like leave, like you'll be fine, but it's, it's easier said than done. So I think that if you get yourself used to failing, changing, you know, that like rebirth, mm -hmm. then it's mm -hmm. a lot easier for you to keep doing that on and on. Right. Right. And I think like you said, if you haven't done it yet, the first time will always be the hardest. So I think yeah. that's why, um, you know, to me, looking back now, I always think of, okay, is it nicer that I, I felt that first burn at 20 years old? Or would I have right. wanted it at 28? And honestly, I'm like, thank God, I 
felt that piece of adversity at such a young age. Yes, it was, you know, probably more painful, but I think that again, that's what makes you learn so much quicker. Um, I do want to pivot though, and speak a little bit on kind of, you know, as you were realizing pharmacy school wasn't for you and you were really starting to feel aligned with the path of, of going down the dentistry path. Um, I'm curious. So I know you spoke about this in the beginning too, about, you know, just how the stereotype of our immigrant Asian parents and just the Asian culture. And, and I would honestly, in my honest opinion, I do kind of think this is just, um, for the most part, a lot of first generation immigrant parents as a whole, not just Asians, um, based on kind of my observations and uh, studies and findings, if you will. Um, so, so I think this definitely applies to anyone out there who is a second generation um, daughter, son, child, whatever, and and may have faced these similar, um, you know, obstacles as well. But did you have any specific, um, you know, obstacles, arguments, debates with your parents when? it came to your career path um I, I know again i know you spoke on the stereotype of that expectation of us going you know either engineer doctor whatever something that brings a lot of security but um what was you know what was that conversation with your parents like and and did they have any kind of influence on what you wanted to do as a career and and was there anything that you were sharing with them that you noticed they kept opposing you on and you felt rather you know um you know, that feeling of, oh, I wish my parents understood me better. Did, did that ever come to mind? Oh my gosh. That was like my whole growing up. I wish my parents understood <laughs> me better. There's like so many challenges to being um, a child of immigrants. I mean, it's, it's such a beautiful experience to have because, you know, it is such a blessing, but at the same mm -hmm. time, I think, like you said, this applies to all different immigrants of all, you know, backgrounds. Mm -hmm. It's so hard. Cause like they grew up in a completely different place. And then also for me in particular, uh, so my parents speak Chinese to me and I speak English to them and we mm -hmm. like understand ourselves in that way. Right. But there's a lot of words that there's, there's like just not a direct translation. Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't even know how to express myself. I spent a lot of my like younger years not knowing how to express like, I don't know what I want to do with my life. I feel like sad. Mm -hmm. I feel like whatever. Like the, the immigrant kind of mindset is just like, well, suck it up, like right. work, right. do something stable do something like real with your life mm -hmm. and like I completely understand why that's like the mentality um but it really creates a lot of like chaos in your mind because then mm -hmm. you go to school and you're one person you're like Emily right mm -hmm. or you're like Connie but then you come home and then you're like Connie the daughter the the xyz so yeah. it's like balancing those two identities that's like really tough so I did get lucky in a sense because my passion today being a dentist that's like conventionally accepted right. um, I always yeah. joke with my parents I'm like you guys should be happy I'm like the Asian win because I'm too I'm gonna have two doctors right but like, right, right. <laughs> but I mean even then there's like different levels of it because they're like well like medical doctor blah 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 but that's like a whole other podcast episode mm -hmm. um but I had have a, I do remember having a lot of conversations with my parents and my sister when I was in high school, because even though I always knew I wanted to be a provider, a doctor of some sort, I also always had like a creative type of side. I love to write. I love to draw. I love to make videos. And there were so many times that I said, like, I'm going to do this for a career instead. And we got into like so many like heated discussions because they were like, you can't make money from that. You can't, you know, X, Y, Z with that. Now it's a slightly different landscape. But even now, 
sometimes I tell my parents like, oh, I'm like super excited. I have this like deal with this brand or I like doing this video and it still like doesn't really mean as much to them because they're like, okay, you know, <laughs> that's just like how it is. Um, but I think now that I've gotten older, I've realized like you don't have to tie so much of your identity to your career necessarily. Like you can be a dentist that draws, you can be a dentist that is creative, or you can be like, for me, like a dental student with like a YouTube channel and like an Instagram, like it's, mm -hmm. it's not like mutually exclusive. Mm -hmm. um, so I think as I've grown, I, I've developed my own identity, combining the two things, like the side that is, that is approved of by my Asian parents and the side that is not as much. And I think now they're finally starting to see that it is all working to become to help mold me into who I am mm. um and I I do feel pretty lucky my parents are very much as much as they are supporters of the academics and all that they've always been reminding me like my happiness is number one so they they've they've never truly been like you absolutely can't do anything it's more like they were disapproving of it and I deep down inside didn't want to to disappoint them and that's a whole nother complex level of being a, a child of immigrants because I could say to my other friends like you know my parents don't want me to do this and they would be like well then just do it anyways just do what makes you happy mm -hmm. but it's a lot more complicated than that when you're a child of immigrants you carry this weight that like all of these sacrifice for you and I mean especially with like the way I was raised with like my culture like I I know I respect my elders and like all that stuff so like not caring what my parents thought just like wasn't an option <laughs> and I hope that resonates with your listeners too because it's like really easy to get caught up in like the whole story of like oh like this person quit college and then did all this stuff but it's actually like really hard when so much of your identity when you truly like associate that with like your family and like all that kind of stuff it's a lot more complex than the media makes it seem you know, it's it's so funny because I I agree with you, but ironically, I I I have to be truthful. I don't practice that. And it's actually, mm -hmm. you know, a, a hard internal battle that I have, something that I share very openly on my podcast, Instagram, and the stories about, you know, maybe you've seen this before where I've talked about how I do clash with my mom a lot and how mm -hmm. I feel that um, most of my personal life and career decisions have actually been rather in opposition of what my parents would ideally, or I shouldn't say parents, more so mom would mm. um, want me to do. I, I would attribute it more because of this rising notion of females being strong, bold, confident, taking leadership roles, and being out there as women, right? I mean, we all know how this move, you know, we're, we have a vice president, a female vice president now, next thing you know, have a female president and and that's just definitely something that is not common in asian culture where you have an asian female specifically being confident bold and outspoken and um that's something that i i have to like truly admit too it's just like hearing you say that family identity thing i i genuinely wish i had that but i felt that um at one point in my life it was almost just this battle of what is going to make you happier it almost felt more of like a one or the other and and, and it's and it sucks like it sucks too because I do think maybe there are some out there that you know resonate with both of us in the sense where where they do want to bring back that respect and, and understanding of that immigrant culture and and I like respect it so much but I I notice how how unaligned I am when it comes to trying to 
make a decision or or act in a certain way that would more would please my parents more um, because I realized that's just not who I am like me being more quiet and listening to just what my elders say purely because they are my elders and that is what my culture expects me to do as much as I really utterly do want to do that as to the bottom of my heart I really do I, I actually genuinely always wished I was less rebellious less um, like bold I, I really do I really do always wish that but then I, I recognize that um, it doesn't make sense to not stay true to who you are and I think as long as you're you know not actually fully disrespecting your parents and you know for me um, I think the only disrespect might be like simply not listening but I in my eyes I see that they will hopefully come around years to come when they kind of see how I've come up which is simply a different life philosophy which is you know, woman being strong, bold, and confident, which in Asian culture, I would um, argue that most mothers would say that's not a really attractive trait in a female. Um, I don't know if you've experienced that at all. If you do, you can touch on that. Yeah, so I can like totally see that. It's So I think, you know what it is, is I think it really is so case by case, because in my situation I happen to be so passionate about like healthcare and about something that does align with their goals but I think had my passion been more like your passions then I would be I think in the same situation so I, th I think it really is case by case because like say you were you know as passionate about like oral health and all that stuff as I am then I think it would have been like a lot like you would have like ended up becoming a dentist because like it it made you happy and you know, it also worked with that. But so I, I think it really just comes down to like individual goals and like preferences. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely agree. And I think, um, I think that's just a, a battle that a lot of especially with how our generation is growing and evolving with um, technology and the digital environment, and just how our society is changing their framework of thinking, I, I definitely believe that um, unfortunately, I think the the discrepancy between immigrants and or like first gen and second gen right. is so large that it's probably um, probably the shittiest like uh, what's a like combination of uh, parent and children. Whereas second gen to third gen, I think it's the gap will be not as big if that makes sense. Which um, hopefully would make the um, just like the relationships between like the parent and future children like second gen to third gen a lot easier than first gen to second gen but again I do agree with you you, you mentioned earlier that it's a, it's a type of experience that is just you know it's it's um it's it's just so valuable like you know you you can't get that anywhere else and I mm -hmm. and I am really grateful for being an, born an Asian American and, you know, actually growing up on the East Coast where I personally, I don't know what state you lived in, but I did not have many fellow Asian Americans in my community. Yeah, so I definitely, <laughs> Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. All. So it, it, it's definitely a, a different experience like that. I, for me personally, made me a lot more tough and gave me a lot thicker skin and, and actually just gave me a, a unique perspective on how our ethnic background and race is viewed and, and kind of how to um, combat certain st stereotypes. And while now I live in California, there's it's such a melting pot. I feel like 
I'm really grateful to have grown up on the East Coast where it, that was not as much of a privilege, if that makes sense, where you did not grow up in a melting pot. Yeah, for sure. I actually feel the exact same way. And I, I'm actually kind of thankful that I did grow up, you know, feeling so different and so isolated because I feel like now that I look back on my personality and who I've become, I think a lot of my identity was because I was rebelling against this idea that like, like I felt like I had all this expectation when I was a kid that Asian girls are quiet. They're really good at math. They're very polite. And so that's why like now I feel like like my personality, I like swear all the time. I'm like the first to admit that I'm terrible at math. I'm definitely not like quiet. If anything, I'm like a class clown, like which is a bit of a problem sometimes in school. But you know, like I, I grew up be- being this like clown because I wanted to show people Asian people can be funny. Asian people can be loud. Asian people can swear. So I'm like thankful that I, you know, had to grow up kind of rebelling and like challenging that a little. Yeah. And, and I, and I'm really glad that you brought that up too, because I feel the exact same way. And I think um, those were many traits of mine in high school and middle school. And many of which my parents were like, oh no, is she going to be okay? Like she, you know, and, and every time I was like, you know, I definitely did not swear in front of my parents, but you know, my mom would occasionally like go through my social media and see, I would comment back or some of my captions would include swear words. And she'd be like, oh my God, this is so bad. And I'm like, trust me, if you think I'm bad, like you have seen the rest of our generation which is so crazy but um I do want to dive into a little bit of your dental school experience and just kind of leading up in case there are definitely some listeners out there who have been curious um but can you share you know like what 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 are the steps like what are the beginning steps like you know what how do you realize like okay I I think I want to go to dental school like how do you start studying applying how many hours did you study per day um I know one of my really good friends his name is Jack. He actually is in dental school at UCSF. Um, I think this year is his first year. So I, I do remember those days where he was, you know, telling me about um, prepping for the exam and whatnot, but definitely share with the audience any tips that you have on just the starting out process and um, applying to dentistry school. Yeah, of course. So I think like the number one step that you have to do in this day and age, if you're considering dentistry, is really make sure that it's for you. Because let me tell you, it is like a completely, the healthcare field in general is completely overglorified. But dental school is the most expensive healthcare education you could possibly get. So that's why I made sure I finished pharmacy school first. I like was really thoughtful and methodical to make sure that this was the career I want. Because at the end of the day, there are a million careers out there where you can work with your hands, work with people, make people feel better. And, you know, all those things I listed earlier, that happened, like software engineers get to like help people, you know, like you can help, helping people is a very broad term. So you need to figure out exactly what it is about dentistry that you are so passionate about and why you can't get that from anywhere else. Um, So I can like go into a little bit about too, like my thought process behind like why I'm so passionate about oral health, I guess, is like, so this kind of helped me with the whole process was I figured out the two reasons why I love oral health so much is because one, it's an incredibly misunderstood field and two, that it affects so much of patients' quality of life. So to go into number one first, why is it misunderstood? I think oral health is never emphasized when you're a kid. They're kind of just like brush your teeth twice a day. And then if you're like a nerd floss, like I don't think like they glorify flossing at all, the way that they glorify like going to the gym, taking care of yourself, eating healthy. When really your gum health and your the health of your you know oral cavity and all that is so important and tied to the rest of your body. 
And I hate that that's misunderstood. If you had like a cut, if, if you bumped your arm and it randomly started bleeding, you would like get that checked out, right? But no one thinks to like get your bleeding gums checked out or anything like that. It's really minimized. Even the way that the insurance system is set up, dental insurance is different from medicine. It's like they took your mouth and separated it from your whole body. And so that's something that it's like crazy, right? And that's something that I really want to advocate for in my career as a dentist. So many patients don't know that your gum health is linked to things like, like your heart health, your immune health. There's so many studies of it being linked to strokes, heart attacks, diabetes, Alzheimer's. And so very few people realize this until it's too late, until they have to get some major procedure that costs a lot and that kind of stuff. And that's why I feel like it's misunderstood is because for the most part, if you're healthy, all you see is the dentist like twice a year, they check in for like five minutes, ask about your kids, poke at you, and then they leave. So everyone's like, oh, like he doesn't, they, they don't take us as seriously because they're like, his job must not be important if all he does is like look at your mouth and that, you know? And so that's something I want to adv advocate for is just that it really has such a big um, implication on your health. And also my point number two is that it's so tied to quality of life. So in medicine, that's like a term that's used to measure, it's exactly what it sounds like, quality of life. And so many people don't realize the impact of your teeth and oral health on your quality of life until it's, it's too late. So, so many people don't think about how your teeth and your oral health affects if you can eat or drink your favorite foods. Like imagine if you couldn't have boba ever again, like I would be oh devastated, <laughs> right? I love or, boba, yeah, it's great. Yeah, yeah, me too. Or like, like I had one patient that, that it, there are so many patients that I can think of that completely changed my life forever and made me so passionate about dentistry. One in particular was, he was like, this patient um, was like on the verge of tears because he would finally eat steak again. And like, when you think about like the emotional ties you have with food, like you have steak when you celebrate or you have, you know, boba when you celebrate. I felt like when we were helping him and his teeth again, I was giving back like those celebratory moments. It was like really, really beautiful. Um, and your teeth affect if you can sleep soundly at night, your jaw, your, you know, your muscles, they affect if you can speak clearly and present in front of a crowd and feel confident. And so that's why I'm so passionate about oral health is like people don't realize what they have until it's too late, until they, you know, have, until they don't take care of their gums anymore, until they can't eat their favorite foods. And so how I've kind of realized this is ultimately what I love about dentistry. Okay. Anybody out there listening, you guys should take notes for your personal statement. Cause I feel like this is good material, <laughs> but what I've realized that dentistry has given me is the tools to help people live their best authentic life. Everyone has their own definition of what their best life is, right? For some people, my best life would be to eat boba every day for breakfast. And so my mission as a future dentist is to make sure that you can do that. I want you to be able to do whatever you want and live your happiest life. And I think that a lot of people can do this in their different careers. People that are like life coaches do that. You do this when you help people through your podcast. For me, it's just that my craft and my medium happens to be practicing as a dentist. Um, so with all that said, I just rattled off like all these points, right? That is the number one thing that you have to do before you even think about applying to dental school, because unless you really feel like this, you know, like there, there's nothing else out there that, that can satisfy that for you, then you should keep exploring. Um, and that's why I'm so thankful that I did experience pharmacy school before this. And like, I thought about other things just because had I not done that, I don't think I would have had the clarity that I have with my passion for dentistry now. Um, so you need to have clarity and that's your first step in applying. The rest will follow. The rest is just 
taking the certain prereqs that all the schools ask for. It's all the same. It's all like biology and that kind of stuff. You need to get a good enough GPA. It's, it's all about like what's on paper on your application, but it's also about like how passionate you are about the field because your passion will help you get those better grades. It will help you study long hours that you need to do well on the entrance exam. Um, so really be fueled by your passion. Don't be fueled by like, I wanna be a dentist to make like X amount of money because trust me, you can make a lot more <laughs> in a lot of different careers. And like some days you feel like, there are definitely days in dental school and I'm sure days as a dentist where you're like, man, I do not get paid enough for this. <laughs> so money and status and pleasing your parents and everything we said before cannot be a reason. It has to be because you personally love it so much. Right. And and I, I actually want to add there as well. I, I, I couldn't help but think when you were explaining how with that steak story, right? You know, how that guy was, you know, so excited to be able to eat steak again. And for you, that was a very celebratory moment and how you even think about it in your own life, how you would, you know, love to drink boba every morning. And, you know, to me, that's, and and I, I hate to like speak on it so soon because I, I feel like this is something we'll touch on again um, towards the end of this episode. But I, to me, that kind of pictures or paints a picture of what fulfills you um and and not just in your career but it does pertain to what you're doing within your career right that's like your craft kind of like how you mentioned for me it, it does happen to mean this podcast does help someone one way or another um and I think that's the same for you is that it's like, yes, it's your passion. But I think sometimes even for people, they get stuck on what does passion mean? And I think it's almost just like, what is it that you physically do or you do in each, um, each time you're in that field, in that career, in that everyday life? What are you doing each moment when you're sitting down from that nine to five point or whatever you're doing each day? What is it that is bringing you that light of joy? And I feel like, based on what you were explaining, it's really seeing that shift and actual impact in someone's life, which I think for me, that's what brings joy in this podcast and my blog and, and the things that I do and, and write about. But um, I'm glad that you brought that up in regards to becoming a future dentist, because I definitely don't think, and I'm sure you probably feel this way as well, that people in this field, you know, frame it that way you know, on why they want to become a dentist, right? And I think so many, I think there'll be, there'll be people that'll still say, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm really passionate about helping people, but like, you know, you're pinpointing it to the point of you're fixing this, the nerves in this guy's, you know, teeth and the jaw and whatever, right? And, and you know, so I think it's just really interesting that you paint it that way, but um, kind of diving into a little bit towards the Asian American aspect. Um, and, and I know you kind of want to talk on this as well, but I'm curious, what have you noticed um, it's been like as an Asian American and a female in this career field? Um, has there been any interesting stories you feel like is worth sharing or any kind of stereotype that has been, um, you know, something that you feel like you had to overcome? And I think, again, this can even be applicable for anyone that is of a you know, certain minority background, female or ethnic background in any kind of career? 
Yeah, for sure. So it's it's kind of funny. It's like everything I experienced before in school, but on like a, a different level. So again, I feel like when I meet patients and even like other classmates and professors, I'm expected to be meek. I'm expected to be like gentle and quiet. And like, that's not me. Like I'm freaking loud and annoying. <laughs> but I think that's kind of helped shape my identity as a dentist because I want to be the type of dentist that can sit back with you casually and be like, you know, talk about how I, I like to like drink wine at night, or I like to hang out with my friends or XYZ. Like I'm trying to, you know, show my personal side and like bring more like humanity to the stereotype that we're given. Um, and I think that's really affected my identity as like a young Asian American provider. And, you know, there's a lot of moments too, as like a young Asian female in medicine where you have to like really stand up for yourself there have been so many rooms I've been in as a pharmacy student where like if I'm with like a male classmate they always talk to him they call him doctor with me it's like my first name or with me it's like they don't even look at me I'm like you know like no shade to nurses or anything at all but they always assume females are nurses or that females are hygienists or that females are assistants even it's just there's like so much um, of those stereotypes put on us. So I challenge, you know, all of the amazing females out there in healthcare to really stand up for yourself and make your presence known. And, you know, don't feel bad for correcting those people when they don't address you as doctor, when they don't address you and they address your male counterpart instead, because we need to really normalize that. And I think it, it'll be uncomfortable at first. There's definitely been times where I feel a little awkward and I feel like I'm being too much. But then I ask myself, like, what is too much? It's just like this one interaction. I can live with being too much for five minutes. If that means down the road, maybe that person will treat a future female doctor with more respect, you know? Mm. I'm curious, do you think your parents or maybe more so your mom, do you think they would approve of your encouragement and of your own act as well in being more um, confident and, and slightly confrontational in that sense of sticking up for yourself, you know, wanting to make sure you're known and that you're um, identified correctly in, in your field? Do you think that's something they agree with? Or do you think that's something that they would maybe more so advise you to maybe simmer down a little bit and just kind of put your head down, get to work and, and kind of it'll work out in the end. Yeah. You know, what's so funny is knowing my parents, my, so my dad is actually like a very philosophical type of guy. And he's also like mm -hmm. very like pro females. Like he loves like Kamala Harris right. <laughs> and all that. Yes. So uh -huh. knowing him and my mom, they would actually, I would say they would be supportive to a point. Like if I texted them and I was like, man, this like douchebag doctor today said this, but like I stood up for myself and I said this uh -huh. and this, they would be like, great, honey, go get them, blah, blah, blah. Oh, but, okay. but if I was, so, so that's how like me and my sister are. We've always been very like, oh, like leadership, all that kind of stuff. They're like, yeah, go get it. Like go represent mm -hmm. us. But if I was like, this got me fired, I think they would be like, oh, like they would be heartbroken mm -hmm. because to them, okay. there goes that stability. There goes that, you know, whatever. Um, as much as my parents are my, my biggest cheerleaders and like such, you know, very like open-minded people for traditionally Asian, uh, like considering traditionally Asian mindsets mm. at the same time, they're parents. So they would like worry and they would be like, couldn't you just like keep your mouth shut? <laughs> you know? Oh, interesting. You know, it's funny that you say the first part. Well, okay. First I'm curious. Do you actually say the word douchebag to your parents? 
no they wouldn't know what that meant <laughs> <laughs> okay no, i had to like i had to ask i'm like wait that's so dope if your parents knew what douchebag meant oh, no uh, i wish you know what's so funny actually is now that my parents have gotten an iphone i feel like our communication is at an all-time high because we're in group chats and so now we actually exclusive not exclusively but we usually my sister and my parents and i communicate through emojis and gifts because sometimes it's uh -huh. like a lot easier actually like they understand like the pictures and the <laughs> in the gifts wait that's actually so funny though but um no I was laughing when you said douchebag because I was like well certainly yeah I don't know if my parents would fully understand that but my mom would be like okay that's definitely a rude word to say but I I I do commend your parents <laughs> for being able to you know cheer you on in that sense especially you know again coming from more traditional culture because um I think my dad would be able to but I think again that's a great example of something my mom would say like um kind of kind of similar to your second point where they'd be rather upset if you got fired for it and my mom basically would live in fear that that first part of me you know standing up for myself would get me fired so she'd already jump to the second conclusion based on that mm -hmm. first comment of hey I stood up for myself and you know made sure right. I was known and she would her response would instead of being supportive would jump straight to number two being oh my gosh, what if something happens, you get fired, you get attacked, you get, you know, someone's on to you now, that kind of thing. So mm -hmm. um, I'm definitely, yeah, I, I feel like that's, that's definitely a totally separate topic, but I think that'd be so unique for a fellow immigrant Asian parents to kind of, or even other cultures as well. Again, I think this is rather um, a common first generation immigrant um, element, but for them to kind of congregate and talk about how they get over certain you know fears and worries that you know classic immigrant parents have yeah for sure you know what I think it is actually I'm kind of thinking about it too is like I think a lot of immigrant parents have at baseline like a lot of these like same traits but they bring to the table their own personal traits too and so when I look back on my mom's identity I think the reason why my mom and my dad are like that is because they were the oldest child in their household and so they had to kind of always like in coming to America there were so many times that they had to like go against the grain like I'm sure there were times that their family wanted them to stay and like it was really hard for them and all that so I think like for example my my parents happen to have some of those traits whereas like some other immigrant parents come from a different background where maybe they've been like scorned before by experiences where they really went against the grain so that like makes sense too I'm sure I have family members that also would have like um would have been more like like what you were mentioning with like your mom's opinions and all that interesting that that's a good um way to frame it as well i definitely should have to keep that in mind and again i i definitely am grateful that i feel like i'm i'm at an age and point in my life where i give you know my mom and just my parents grace for not understanding mm, and, and just kind of sure. you know being aware of where where i'm at and just being aware that i am actually doing well and i'm not um you know these uh i, I don't have to live in fear that i'm gonna get fired or i'm overstepping some line you know it just i just have to like right. give grace that they just don't understand and and over time it'll show through so <laughs> that yeah. is kind of how i um kind of make it through but i have two last questions for you and one of them um and i think definitely you'll have some probably good thoughts and tips on this but any advice for fellow students who are pursuing grad school in general or just the healthcare field and how they can stick it out through really extremely difficult days and weeks i'm sure you've had your own for both pharmacy school and dental school um and so considering you've kind of seen both sides and you know would have um you know some 
thoughts on on both and just grad school in general um share some tips that you have for fellow students or just for people who might even be considering it and have always wondered like okay what are some of these challenges and and mental blocks i'm gonna have to face that i'm not aware of yet yeah for sure that's a really great question um all these are really great questions by the way i'm like loving this combo (laughs) um but i guess my biggest tip for a lot of students that go into healthcare is don't go into this feeling like you have to follow some mold because especially in the healthcare field, it's a lot of type A personalities. It's a lot of like my parents were doctors and so I became a doctor. It's a lot of, um, I don't know, it's, it's something where it feels like everyone always knows what they're doing when in reality, let me tell you a secret, no one actually knows what they're doing. Okay, we're all just figuring out as we go. So don't like, for example, my sister, I swear, she like practically came out of the womb knowing that she wanted to become a doctor, right? Whereas she knew exactly like what she wanted to do. She got the right grades in high school from A to B, like she did everything right. Whereas I had like a very slow burn, I felt like with this, like I didn't know what I wanted to do. I, I, I knew it was healthcare, but I didn't know it was dentistry. And I was unmotivated. I was lazy. I was unfocused. And don't feel like because you've been like that in your past that like you can't get it together and like focus in the future because I, I want my story to show if anything that you always have a second chance. If it truly is your passion, like you can make it work. I tried pharmacy, it didn't work out. Just because pharmacy didn't work out, I didn't give up on healthcare completely. I wasn't like, ah, oh, like screw this thing, you know? I listened to the voice inside myself saying, no, I want to have this role. It's just something different and it's okay to pivot. I think that's actually the norm. It's just not enough people are talking about all the pivots. And so that's why I think podcasts like this podcast and what you're doing is so great because you're really showing that this is the norm. The norm is questioning yourself in your twenties. And my next best tip is if you talk to anyone in medicine, they're always going to be like, figure out early what you want to do, like figure it like shadow, blah, blah, blah. And I think that is important. You you do want the direction because like I was saying in an earlier question, you want to know your why before you apply, because if you don't have a solid why, if you don't have like something as compelling as like what that man and his stake was to me, then you need to keep looking until you feel compelled, right? Like Emily's stake person is this podcast. Find your stake person is what I'm saying. Um, but don't rush it either because I think that if you rush things, you'll fall into that trap of what I mentioned, where you fill your time with productivity and doing stuff, but it might not be in the right direction. You need those periods of lulls and reflection and feeling like a failure, like when I was rejected for my orientation. Like you need those times of feeling like you don't know what you're doing to, to figure it out. Because I don't think enough people realize that like not knowing what you're doing is still doing something because you do process of elimination. You slowly try out things and realize this wasn't for me. You know, so it's really tough for me to give this advice to healthcare students because everyone is so type A, but I'm just telling you guys, like, relax and breathe (laughs) and it will work out. Like, if you want to be a dentist, you can be a dentist. If you want to be the world's best brain surgeon, you can do that. But you just need to, you know, have a really solid why, because that is what's going to get you through this. Like, I'm not going to lie, dental school has been really, really tough. Pharmacy school was really, really tough. It's very, the, the, the amount of times where you like consider like quitting and all that, they shouldn't outweigh, they shouldn't outweigh the good parts, but there's going to be a lot of those times. And so when you do have times like those, you just really need to dig deep. And if your intentions are truly aligned with what it is, then it'll work out. Mm-hmm. 
And I, I think that's, you know, I have to touch on this too. You mentioned that there's going to be so many moments where you do want to quit way more than you would mm-hmm. think. And I think that yeah. applies to, you know, of course, absolutely the healthcare medical industry, but just everywhere in life. And I think people just like somehow refuse to see that right now because social media looks so glamorous, but I you know, align and resonate with you on that. There are so many times that I've, there's plenty of things that I've wanted to stop and quit in and there's plenty of bad moments and everyone has it. And I think that's why I do love, like I said, you know, before we start recording for you, for all of us to always share these up and down moments in life, because that is actually truly how we find what fulfills us, what brings us joy, what brings us that blissful moment, whether it's in our personal life, our career, or, you know, all of the above intertwined. So again, I I love your steak example, because that's (laughs) honestly now what I'm going to think of when I'm at the dentist. Now I'm not going to lie. I'm just going to be like, like, I wonder if this person is having a steak moment too. Like, (laughs) That makes me so happy. Oh my gosh. That makes me so happy. And like, even just hearing that really makes me so happy because I think like, if, if I can just like help people like see the dentist in a slightly different light, that just Mm -hmm. like makes my whole day. So thank you for like truly hearing what I like had to say. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. And, and kind of one last question, something I I ask everyone and probably something you have heard me ask others, but um, probably relating to the steak uh, analogy or aspect, but um, in general, what would you say fulfills you in life? Yeah, for sure. So I'm sure I've like touched upon this a little bit in the episode, but ultimately what fulfills me is seeing people realize that they're living their best authentic life. So with the guy with the steak, he's seeing he can finally celebrate and eat his favorite foods. That's that's not where it ends though. It also starts with like me helping using like my Instagram and YouTube page. I feel like I help, I can help other students live their best life when I give them, you know, mentorship advice, study tips Mm -hmm. and that kind of stuff. So I think this is an example of why you shouldn't be searching for that one like career to satisfy all of your fulfillment. Like you can live a fulfilled life with bits and pieces of everything that you do. You know, like it's not just like this like one career that has to satisfy everything. Mm -hmm. So with that, yeah, living their best authentic life, I just want to be like a source of encouragement for other people to, you know, just truly reflect and figure out what's right for you and to just follow that um and I want to show people that it's really just like never too late to start all all over again um if I I I remember thinking before I got into dental school when I was trying to pivot from pharmacy to dentistry I was like am I crazy like am I too old am I too like far along and like in hindsight that's just crazy talk like I was like Mm -hmm. 20 something at the time like it's I was definitely not too old, but this can apply to any time in your life. Like you're always going to be as young as you can ever be in the moment. So -hmm. that's why you like really have to just, if you want to do something, just go for it. And don't worry about like, am I too old? Blah, blah, blah. That kind of stuff. Mm, I love that way of closing out this episode. This was so fun chatting. Thank you for all of your tips and thoughts. And like, like we said, this was such a great conversation to have. But before we leave things, definitely share where everyone can find you, especially for those who do want to learn more from you on just, you know, your thoughts and advice on dental school, pharmacy, everything you've learned, Um, share all your social handles, your YouTube, everything. Yeah, of course. So you can find me on both Instagram and YouTube with the same handle. It's just the pharma dental, um, just all one word. And so I just post a lot about like lifestyle slash being a healthcare student on there. But if you guys ever have any questions about, you know, if something's the right career for you or want to discuss like feeling lost and everything Emily and I have discussed, feel free to reach out to me on there. Um, Yeah. 
Amazing. And I will be sure to link all of that in the show notes as usual. And I will tag you in, of course, all of the Instagram posts to come. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited. Thank you so much for having me, Emily. This was so fun. (laughs) Of course. Thank you. And that was all for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Connie from The Pharma Dental. Be sure to check out her social platforms. She is on YouTube and Instagram and all of the good socials, as you know, and um, especially if you are in healthcare or especially dental school, if I were you guys, I would definitely give her a follow and just check out what she has to say or maybe if you're going to pursue that path eventually. I personally always love to give a follow or like reach out to people that I see are on a similar path as me and maybe a couple years ahead because then it gives me a realistic idea of what I can expect and what my life might look like at a certain point. Um, So I would definitely advise that. But aside from that, if you've been loving this podcast and this episode, I would so appreciate it if you could rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts, even if you listen to this episode on Spotify. I know some of you have been gracious enough to head on over to Apple Podcasts, either from your computer or your phone, just to quickly rate and review the podcast. It literally just takes... 30 seconds so not too time consuming but regardless i love you guys so much i appreciate it and be sure to keep up with the podcast community at what fulfills you pod on instagram everything will be linked in the show notes and i will talk to y'all next time